It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick, focused black hole, getting in there, ready to rock. I got my A game. I've been there with the Raider Nation in the black hole. I've been in this rivalry. I've seen it in my 24 years here. It's a do or die game. Can't let them win in Vegas. Protect the house. Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show, Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis, the history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 angry men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are, Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game. And now, that's a hell of a motivational speech. Here's JT the Brick. Oh, Bobby with some new opens over President's Day. Nice job, Bobby. The hardest working producer, board op, engineer. Wink, wink, whatever you need. Bobby gets it done. Been with me for over 25 years as we continue here with the offseason of the Silver and Black, and there's not going to be much one of an offseason. There's a lot happening here. Quarterback, 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 seventh pick overall in the draft, need to rebuild the defense. Uh, this is the GM Dave Ziegler's first draft with a first-round pick as of today and a second-round pick. Remember last year with the third-round pick, Dylan Parnham, who played well. I thought Dylan played his way into the starting lineup for the Raiders, and the Raiders can project him as a starter going forward, depending on what they do with this offensive line, at guard or center. So the Raiders did improve that offensive line. Fact, not fiction. They had the number one rusher in all of football in Josh Jacobs. A lot of people asking me about the franchise tag. One of the things we'll talk about with Vinny Bonsignor tomorrow and Josh Jacobs. I don't get in front of Josh's money. Didn't do it with Derek. Didn't do it. Won't do it with Max or anybody else. Not my show to do that. If you want to do that, there's plenty of podcasts. You can zoom into the podcast of your favorite Raider podcaster, and you can talk about Josh's money. I refuse to do that. I'll wait to see what they do. Now, if they tag him, it's a lot of money. I don't know how Josh will react to that. I don't. If they work out a deal where Josh is cap friendly, where he takes a certain amount of money and leaves some on the table, which... I never recommend to leave any money on the table or go get more. That's not my job. It's Dave Ziegler's job and Josh Jacobs' agent. They'll figure it out, and they'll let us know what they're going to do. But the franchise tag is coming out. And remember, the restricted or the exclusive, if you want to see your player taken away, restricted, and get two first-round picks, this would be a good year to get two first-round picks. Just saying. This is a really good draft I think for up to the first 22, 23 picks. Every year, sometimes you say it's great, the top four or five. You got four quarterbacks that are going to be able to go. You got edge rushers. You got interior guys, corners. They're all available, and the Raiders have a massive need. Here's where the Raiders, as I bring in Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Raiders. Harry, here's where I think the massive needs are. Running back. If Josh Jacobs isn't here, that's a massive need. They need at least one star offensive lineman, either a high pick, number seven overall, or a free agent. Then an interior defense with two linebackers and at least one corner. Harry, that's a lot of work that the Raiders need to do this offseason. Let's begin. How are you? 
Doing great, JT. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you look at the defensive side of the ball, and the Raiders have holes to fill in pretty much every level. So that's why them having this much draft capital going into the combine in a a couple of weeks, going into free agency mid-March, and then the draft at the end of April is key for the silver and black because they need to fill those holes that – have hurt the team throughout, not only last year and the year before that, but pretty much throughout the last decade that they haven't been able to find the right pieces consistently. They got Khalil Mack, they traded him away. They got Max Crosby, they got Nate Hobbs, but you need more guys than just getting a couple in the draft to be able in one year, and you want to do it consistently. That's the big challenge right now for Dave Ziegler's front office and for Josh McDaniel's team. Yeah, I don't know if you heard the Bustin' with the Boys podcast, but I know you'll hear it if you haven't. Uh, Dave Ziegler was the guest this week with Terlo Lewan and Will Compton, and I thought he was very enlightening and very honest about where they have to go in the future here. The big decision was to move on from Derek Carr. You called Derek Carr games. You saw the limits of Derek Carr, plus also the big throws that he made. I want to bring you back to Devontae. What do you think Devontae, the type of quarterback he needs in his absolute Hall of Fame prime, He's very familiar with Aaron Rodgers. His best friend, Derek Carr, is not walking into the building. What do you think is the good move for Devontae coming up? Yeah, in my opinion, Devontae Adams, he would want a quarterback that's experienced, that's not going into his first rodeo to be able to find him at all times. Of course, for a quarterback, if you have Devontae Adams out there, you're in a great position, but... For Devontae Adams, is he in a great position if a quarterback is a rookie or if it's a guy that isn't as experienced, that they don't have that kind of connection? So, of course, when he came out here to Las Vegas, he was reuniting with his former college teammate, with his best friend, with a guy that he would work out during the offseason. So it was a good situation for him. And Devontae Adams had one of the best seasons in his career. Now what's going to happen in year two with the silver and black? Does he get an Aaron Rodgers traded out here to Las Vegas, or does he get a guy that's a bridge for the next guy in the Raiders? So that's the big question mark, of course. In my opinion, Devontae Adams, he would like somebody that he already has a connection to or somebody that's proven in the league that he can do that consistently. Yeah, Harry, this is an important time coming up here in the quarterback. A lot of times the smoke and mirrors and the bright lights, it's all about the quarterback position, and I know you're doing some homework on this too, the quarterbacks who could be available at number seven. I think Levis will be available. I don't think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young would be available unless the Raiders trade up to get him. But I'm pretty comfortable that they should be able to get a really good quarterback at number seven in the draft if they go all in on that. They'll have a cheaper quarterback that they'll be able to build with and put resources of Josh McDaniel's playbook behind, but that could be risky in a season when you're going up against Justin Herbert, you know, Russell Wilson, and especially Patrick Mahomes. You got to make sure that that quarterback's a lock to be a superstar in years to come. Yeah, and especially a franchise like the Raiders. I know it's a new front office, but at the end of the day, they're not, uh, it's not a characteristic of theirs to draft quarterbacks in the first round. Last year's quarterback class wasn't strong. This year's quarterback class, you look up and you look at a guy like Young or a guy like Stroud, and you're like, all right, they did a lot of good things in college, so they're going to get drafted high. But after them, there's not a guy that you're like, you, I have to trade up in the top four to guarantee I'm going to get him. It might be like last year where you're just waiting and waiting and waiting to see when a guy gets drafted. Heck, you look at Malik Willis. 
what, he got drafted until the third round. Can he pick it in the first round until the 20th pick? I don't think the quarterbacks will fall that low, but I feel that it could end up happening where uh, Levis or Richardson are going to have to wait a couple of hours on day one or potentially all the way up to day two to get drafted. In my opinion, the Raiders, that's that spot, they're up in number seven. It could be an ideal position to fall back a couple of spots and get more draft capital to then maneuver around a little bit in the draft and get a line, an offensive lineman. That's a big need for the silver and black as well. Last year it was just patchwork over there with the five guys up front. So if the Raiders can get more draft capital and get more talent that can help this team all around, do it. And especially with the news today that was posted on Twitter by Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network about the Raiders being one of five teams that has met extensively with Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. That's something that I'm keeping my eye on, too. Hendon Hooker, he's not going to be a first-rounder after suffering a torn ACL in November. Harry Ruiz is our guest, the Latino voice of the silver and black. So I know you got an XFL game coming up now. Uh, tell me about this, because, again, you are a guy learning on the job. You're becoming a really good talk show host. You're a play-by-play guy. You've done some analyst work in the booth. Tell me about the preparation for the XFL coming up. Exciting times here in Vegas. Uh, Rod Woodson has a pretty good team here. Two pick sixes are the way they lost that game, so we're hoping to see a bounce back at Cashman Field. I know. I was uh, actually asking fans on social media what they were thinking about the XFL, and I, w- I was excited that the Vipers have a Mexican quarterback in Luis Perez, and he started off the game hot, but then in the second half, they let go of that double-digit lead. Not the first time I'm saying that. And uh, they ended up taking the defeat, but it was an interesting game. And then with the rules that they have with the one-point conversion from the two-yard line, the two-point conversion from the five, three-point conversion from the ten, and then the fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick, it, be, it still wasn't at reach for a team to be able to come back. There was another game this weekend that with a minute and a half left, the I think it was Seattle that they were able to come back and win that game uh, incredibly. So it's it's very interesting. It's different. I'm uh, diving deep into the rule book because it's completely different than the NFL one. So we got to get ready. Preparation is the most important part of the game. So Saturday will be the fun the fun day. Right now it's getting deep into rule books, getting deep mm-hmm. into rosters, and knowing the players. Yeah, Harry Ruiz, as we wrap it up. I think that's fun. You know, a lot of the things, when I was the voice of the XFL out here with He Hate Me, I did that with our good friend and our really good friend, Napoleon McCallum, and we had a great time doing it. But it was interesting because we were doing the games in the biggest stadiums in America. We did a game at the Los Angeles Coliseum. Let that sink in. The Liberty Bowl, San Francisco's Pat Bell Park, the year it opened. All these games are big, and year one for the XFL really worked well, and they didn't fold because of Vegas. Vegas was fine. And I think Vegas is looking for some entertainment, and it's a vibrant community here. A lot of tourists will want to go see something quickly here. But the rules are interesting. And as you know, Harry, the XFL, with the sky cam and the kickoff, and they have a one, two, or three-point conversion after a touchdown, and the ability to get the ball back if you go for it on fourth and 25, if you turn the ball over, one or two of these rules to survive are going to go to the NFL. The NFL has no problem with that. They will take your rule changes if they make a lot of sense. That's how the NFL evolves. I like the kickoff rule. I mean, you're encouraging everybody to return kickoffs, something that in the NFL we see 
less and less and less as the years go by. So I like that rule. I like the conversion rule instead of getting extra points, which I do. I am okay with in the NFL, but if you get a little bit more entertainment out of a one-point conversion from the two-yard line instead of the two-point conversion in the NFL and then keep the game, heck, you could get a field goal off of a three-point conversion instead of just getting one or two. It keeps the games more interesting. I absolutely love uh, being able to challenge any play at any time with your one challenge that you have during the game, that you can challenge a penalty, that you can challenge any kind of situation that you see on the field. I like that a lot. And then if you... If it, if the referees don't agree, if Dean Blandino doesn't agree, then you get that you lose that challenge. If not, you keep it. So it's it has a lot of things that are very very cool. Of course, the onside kick in the fourth quarter that instead of the onside kick you get a mm-hmm. fourth and fifteen. That's also great. It keeps the game. How many onside kicks have been converted recently? Yeah, very few. So it, it's uh, it has a lot of things that that's the cool thing about the XFL right now, JT. They're not just looking at it as a summer league. They're looking at it as some somewhere where the players can grow into playing in the NFL, but also where the game can grow and help and show the NFL how they can be better as well. You know, Harry, last one on that, you know, that fourth and 15, if you don't get if you don't want to have the onside kick. I don't think that works in the NFL. You'd have to make it what fourth and 25, fourth and 30. Because fourth and fifteen is a pitch and catch now. You got someone like Mahomes on a fourth and fifteen, he can run for it, let alone Kelsey run a sixteen yard in route. So if the NFL wants to do something like that, and I think they would consider it for entertainment value and more scoring, you just have to extend that play because that's too short of a play for the NFL. Would you agree? One hundred percent. I was actually gonna say Patrick Mahomes, fifteen yards, he could probably do it in his sleep or with his eyes closed out on the field or with his back facing his teammates and just throwing the ball over his head, somebody's going to catch it. So that's actually that's something perfectly stated. And you look over at the XFL, I was looking at the over-under numbers, I was like, what? Just 36 and a half? And then you look at the gameplay and it's like, okay, yeah, it's definitely not the NFL, but there are guys on that field that next year will be playing in the NFL or at least fighting in training camp in preseason to earn their spot from going from being the 54th man to potentially being in that 53-man roster. So that game's over at Cashman Field. You'll be calling that game here, uh, right here at Lotus Broadcasting. Where can we find the game, Harry? Where can we catch you calling your first XFL game? I'm excited about this. Actually, I think it's right here, JT, Raider Nation Radio, 928, from what I know. So uh, it's going to be here from 4 to 7, from what I've heard. So uh, we'll be there at Cashman Field. I'm excited. I'm out there at Cashman Field very often with Mm -hmm. the Las Vegas Lights. I I didn't think I was going to be there until May, but now I'll be there a little bit now in February and March. All right, I have one rule here. There's one rule. If the Raiders get a quarterback while I'm visiting my parents at the end of the next week, I have to leave. You have to find time for me, even if I'm on the golf course with dad. I, I, my luck, I will miss something. I've done this 25 years or more. When there's breaking news, I, I feel like I need to be included. So don't forget me, okay? You and Bobby keep me in mind. Hey, JT, you know, you know you're the man. You're the man, the myth, the legend. I got Good you. Man. Take, take care. There he is. Harry Ruiz, your Latino voice of the silver and black, blowing up in this town. You see him on the red carpet. You see him at all these events, and he is a good, good guy. Really good guy and black hole and proud to be associated with him. I think Harry does a great job here. So if you want to jump in, we have Mark Anderson coming up here in about 10 minutes, and he'll talk about UNLV, but mostly the Raiders. Uh, Mark's one of the finest journalists in this town, and we love to have him on. We usually have him on Mondays, but we had President's Day yesterday, so we moved our guest, Harry and Mark, into Tuesday. 
tomorrow, Vinny Bonsignor, his appearance, as he's going to come on here. And then the rest of the week, I have some other NFL guests lined up, and we're going to talk more about the Raiders as they're heading to the Combine. And the Raiders do a nice job, uh, led by Silver and Black Productions. Eddie Pascal, the team will be at Indianapolis, very much like they were at Radio Row. And I'm sure they're going to get the coach, they're going to get the GM, and they're going to get draft prospects on. And all of that content will be at Raiders.com. So you got to keep it. If you're listening to our channel, we're always referring you to Raiders.com on the mobile app or on the desktop site, and you can see all the content that's coming up, and there is a lot of it this time of year. Been doing this a long time with the Raiders, and sometimes I check out this time of year. I haven't gone to the Combine, never gone to the Combine with the Raiders, but I know the Raiders go big, and they go really big at the Combine, and this is going to be the regime going in. Remember last year, Dave and Josh got hired really quickly. And they had to hit the ground running. Now they've had a year to put their team in place for the Combine, all these meetings. I've been referring back to that Bussin' with the Boys podcast. Special guest this week, Dave Ziegler. I tweeted it out at JT the Brick. And he's very detailed on this. This is Dave's wheelhouse, and it has to be going forward. He's got to find a couple of diamonds in the rough. He's got to go get a player or two that he interviews at the Combine. He sits down with and goes, you know, I love this kid. He's great, and he's projected to be in the third round. I'm going to get him in the second. He's projected to be a fourth rounder. I'm going to go and trade up in the fourth round to get him. That's how this business works, and it is a very important time for the Raiders who have to thread the needle and thread the needle in a big way on all this. Coming up next, I think that Eric Bieniemy got the raw end of the deal. Eric Bieniemy is out of the AFC West. That's good news for the Raiders. It is. And Philadelphia lost both of their coordinators. Why did it take so long to get Eric Bieniemy a lateral position and not a head coaching position when two white candidates got the job in Arizona and Indianapolis that didn't have the experience of Eric Bieniemy? I'll tell you what I think about that coming up next on the flagship of the Raiders. And, and I'd be lying if it said you don't hear it all, you know what I mean? Or most of it, like you do, <laughs> it's hard not to hear, you know, on any of the decisions that you make. And so, yeah, you just got to trust, you got to trust your, you know, trust your gut and, and you have to um, be convicted on the decisions that you make and um, have a plan and a reason for doing it. And I'm not going to get into all that, but you know, there's a plan and a reason for every decision. And, and um, you know, like, Ultimately, you have to you have to feel like you're making the best decision for the Raiders, whether it's you know in the short term or the long term, and, and ultimately that's what you know that's what we did. That's Raiders GM Dave Ziegler, who was on Bussin' with the Boys, the podcast. It dropped. I retweeted it at JT the Brick. Listen to it. I think you'll learn a lot about the future of the Raiders as it's led by Dave Ziegler with football operations, scouting what they're trying to do. It's a deep dive about him, the man. You know, a lot of fun stuff in there, too, his relationship with Taylor Lewan as he was his guidance counselor in high school. Really cool story there. I enjoyed listening to that podcast. I also enjoy interviewing Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and Mark's always fantastic and has good information. But, Mark, a heavy heart with the UNLV, Tyler Keeler, who lost his life here at the age of 20. You've been around UNLV athletics for a long time. Anything you'd like to share with us on that as we start? Uh, just there's a lot of unknowns right now. Um, you know, just I, I don't know what it is, but it seems like recently we're hearing the story a lot. 
mm-hmm. around the country, and it's just heartbreaking every time you hear it. And uh, it, it doesn't appear there's any foul play or anything along those lines, but you know we really won't know until the the corner mm-hmm. makes its um, you know its determination, and that's that's probably a few weeks away. Yes, and uh, again, I know you're tight with the program when you have something. We'll look for that content there. Uh, Dave Ziegler went on a really big podcast and talked about some of the issues going forward with the Raiders. As you cover this team now closely, you're at the press conferences. What are you sensing is going on now with the evaluation at the quarterback position? Seventh pick overall in the draft. Aaron Rodgers' name is out there looming. Jared Stidham and plus some other bridge quarterbacks. What are you sensing? What are you hearing? Well, if you go on what, what Dave Ziegler has said, you know, it, it sounds like they're going to go the, the rookie route, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and not bring in a, a, a big-name quarterback. Now, that, you know, Mark, maybe Mark Davis steps in and says, I want a veteran, and you, you go get a veteran. And then if that if he does, then, then Dave Ziegler will have to do that. But it sounds like everything you hear from him it's all, is about building the whole team and to doing that uh, – means you don't sign Aaron Rodgers and you probably don't sign Jimmy Garoppolo because it, that cuts too much into the salary cap of what you want to do around the rest of the team. And um, So, my, my, so you, know, you never really know. I mean, maybe maybe the Raiders um, you know, get a deal with the Packers that they just feel like they can't turn down. Um, but um, my, my suspicion is that that's what they'll do. They'll get a they'll go draft a quarterback either with that seven pick, maybe trade up or or maybe they'll try to get a quarterback in the second round. Mark Anderson's our guest. So you kind of nail what a lot of people are thinking here about the defense, Mark. And what's unfortunate, Gus Bradley was here. Patrick Graham was here. But it comes down to personnel. And Dave even talked about it on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast. A, a smarter player. A player that can come in here on defense and quickly play. When I'm, you know, They want to develop players, but they got to get going here in regards to players that can play quickly here. So when you think of this defense being revitalized is the word I'm using because several players aren't going to be back. It doesn't mean they're not competing to be back up. So to be on the practice squad, but man, looming at number seven, you could pay, you could take the best defensive player available and get an interior edge rusher or an outside edge rusher that could go opposite of Max and Chandler Jones as Chandler Jones. I think his best years are behind him, but I'm encouraged at the way he played on the back end of the season that maybe the Raiders can get one more year out of him. Yeah, I mean, if, if he can build up what he did in the end of the season, I, I think that definitely is uh, gives them a lot of flexibility in what they could do as far as getting a pass rusher. Um, they definitely need some interior defensive line help. There's no question about it. I mean, offensive line needs some upgrade too. Um, I don't know if they necessarily take an offensive lineman at number seven, but maybe they do. But I think you're right. I think the defense has probably got to be the top priority and probably the offensive line after that. Mark Anderson's our guest. So, Mark, uh, the other big thing is Josh Jacobs. And you know the salary cap and how that works and what this franchise tag means. It's more beneficial to the Raiders to get him into a friendly type of contract with either a big signing bonus, deferring some of that money, whatever it's going to be. But Josh Jacobs earned a contract. And if he doesn't get it from the Raiders, he's going to get it from somewhere else. But Adam Jones signed for significantly less with the Packers, and I think the union's got to be going crazy that he did that to lower the market there. I don't know if that affects Josh Jacobs or not, but the priority of either locking him up on a long-term deal or using the franchise tag, and it's there for situations like this. Yeah, I've I've been thinking that's probably what's going to happen. They're going to franchise tag him because I just don't know that I don't know that the Raiders want to be locked into a running back. Um, 
for an extended period of time in, in today's climate. There aren't, there aren't many running backs who go really into that second contract and really perform. And uh, and obviously Josh Jacobs is coming off a career year, and and he and and you do want to bring him back. He's everything you want in a player. Uh, he, mm. he plays hard. He plays hurt. He gives you everything he has. And so I do I do think they want to bring him back for one more year at least. Uh, and if they can get a team-friendly deal for an extended contract, maybe something worse for Jacobs, that would be the, really the big preference. But mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to break the bank for him either. Um, you know, I, I just don't. I just don't see that happening. I mean, they, you know, they they saw what happened, what worked in New England with the running back by committee, and I think ultimately that's really what they would like to do anyway. Um, maybe give Jacobs one more year as the lead back, and then you go back to go to more of that committee look because I think they see that more as the long term. Uh, uh, road to success than just having a feature back because having a feature back doesn't really win games anymore. Yeah. Hey, Mark, before you go, UNLV basketball, we spoke to you about that over the last couple of months, some big friends with Lon Kruger, so I'm totally behind Kevin. I think he's a hell of a coach, and they got off to that 11-0, and 11-1 start. People are talking about tournament, winning the Mountain West, and now all of a sudden they're really struggling to win games against teams I think they're supposed to beat. So this town is based on UNLV basketball and March Madness, but it's been a long, long time since they've been really successful. Give me something of optimism to build on here coming into the Mountain West tournament. What could happen here with getting players back, injuries, rotations, and what you see for them to at least have a shot to do something in the conference tournament? Well, if you're looking for, I guess, the silver lining, um, they they have been competitive even in games they've lost. So if if they can uh, if they can find ways to just uh, you know play better in crunch time and and uh, you know up their defense a little bit, then maybe they can steal some games. But if it looks like they're going to have to win four games in four days, yeah. and that's just. I just, you know, I, I certainly put, wouldn't put my money behind that happening. I just, I just, I think it's just too much to ask for. And again, it's another March where they're just not going to be relevant. And, and it's, and it's just for the city, it's just, it's incredibly disappointing. Uh, obviously, the city's changed a lot now with the pro teams, but you know, the, if, I always thought if the only basketball got it together again, the city would get behind it. And, yeah. Uh, but that's, it's just they're just not there yet. Thank you, Mark. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always appreciate your content. Thank you. All right, thank you, JT. Take care. You got it. Mark Anderson over at the Review Journal, one of our insiders. Yeah, for Kevin Kruger, I'm only going to say good things about him, but I'll be critical if he doesn't make the tournament or they don't play well in the Mountain West tournament. That's my job. But I really like to see them get something going. And Mark made a very good point here at the end. This town was just UNLV basketball, not football, basketball with a little bit of football for a long period of time. Then you get the Golden Knights. But remember, having NASCAR, boxing, UFC, the Raiders – Everything that's going on here in this town with all the professional teams here. Can you imagine if UNLV basketball made the Sweet 16 and players on the Golden Knights and the Raiders could get behind the team, do some social media? They would do it. All of them would. Everybody in this town would get behind it. It's March Madness. We're Vegas. We are the epicenter of March Madness. The parties, the viewing parties, the remotes, everything happening here. And again, I scratch my head. And I talked to some really big people in town about this topic, and they scratched their head too. Why does UNLV football and basketball have the struggles? Not against Kentucky and North Carolina basketball, or not against LSU and Notre Dame football. I just don't understand how UNLV doesn't compete with small schools in Washington 
tiny schools in little towns like a little uh was laramie wyoming I, I don't understand why a kid wouldn't want to go to unlv compared to laramie wyoming which is a nice place i guess or boise idaho which is a nice place or even unr i got friends at unr when a kid is sitting down and he gets an opportunity to play college football or basketball in a town where Devonte adams lives dana white has the global headquarters of ufc we have all these billion-dollar casinos, the best thing in life, and they choose, like, Eastern Washington or Southern Illinois? Like, what am I missing? What, what, is, what needs to change here? And I think a lot of it has to do with the boosters. you got to wash out the fa- false boosters who claim they boost this program and they haven't done crap, and you got to bring in new boosters who got cash, as the great philosopher Randy Moss once said, straight cash homie. And bring some people in here with some bucks. I mean, Manhattan, Kansas? Manhattan, Kansas? Over Las Vegas, Nevada? Come on, everybody. Let's get behind this and have this turn up a bit. Hey, coming up next, what'd you think? What'd you think of the NBA All-Star Game? Amin El Hassan from the Dan Lebitar Show. NBA Radio will join me. I got a lot to say on that All-Star Game. I mean, that All-Star Game was the Pro Bowl, the NFL Pro Bowl, the year before they canceled it. I'm dead serious. It was a disaster. But we'll see what Amin thinks coming up next. Raider Nation Radio Tuesday coming up President's Weekend. Keep it here. Y'all baby these dudes so much today. They don't want to play back-to-back games. Every time a fan says something, they get them tossed. If they're not happy, they want to get traded. Like, it's going to come to a head in the next CBA. It's Charles Barkley, very vocal at NBA All-Star Weekend. JT, back with you. Brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. I was driving by Allegiant Stadium. I saw there two billboards. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde, if you get into an accident, you need the best of the best. This family-run law group are here to help you, 702-222-9999. If you get into an accident in this town with all these added cars and all this construction and drop a canna, call the DeCastaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. I talked to Amin El Hassan. He's from Sirius XM NBA Radio, the Dan Lebitard Show, friend of the show about this All-Star Weekend and what he thought about it. And I asked him if the All-Star game felt more legit, as big as it's been in the past. The game, no. The, ga- the game, I think we slid back. I thought for a couple of years there, we've had competitive All-Star games. I thought the Elam ending was uh, an interesting twist that ensured more competitiveness. I thought drafting the players put a little bit more stakes on in for, for five years. I thought we had kind of moved towards fixing the All-Star game. And then, this is disappointing. Uh, you know, I was telling a friend of mine earlier, like, we can't care about it more than they do. They have to care. they got to understand that them caring about being competitive and about this game being entertaining matters. And if they don't care, then I don't know why we have a game at the game with. Well, I'm happy you're saying this because I I gave you an opening question because I thought the LeBron thing was big because the captain's there, Kareem. And Tatum sets sets the all-time record. But I agree with you. 
I agree with you. There's only so much I can dress this up. So I got to follow up and say, well, how do we look at the 55 for Tatum if it's less and less competitive? How do we put that in perspective? The reality is years from now, people will look back in the record books and they just see 55. And that's, that's what a lot of records are. We don't, I mean, I don't know how many of Wilt Cable and 100 points were kind of bogus, <laughs> easy baskets uh, because you was clear to get the mix on that night. Uh, but the reality is, you know, this was not good. And I don't think it's, and, and that's, that's not taking away from all the stuff on the periphery, right? Like the celebration of LeBron was really cool. Being the top three scorers in NBA history, the, 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 the honor that, that was good. It was a good production as far as the in, entire event and the, indeed the entire weekend. This is not on the NBA. It's not on uh, Utah as a host. It's about the players. It's about whoever gets in this game. Do you care or not? And I don't think they understand. Watch people lightly jog up and down the floor and shoot uncontested shots. It just that's there's no entertainment value there. Amin uh, Amin El Hassan kind enough to join us. So let me stay on this because this I I'm in Vegas as you know, and we had the Pro Bowl. And then we trashed it and got rid of it because it was that embarrassing, if not more. And they went to the skills competition. Where are we with the NBA All-Star game? As you're there, you see it in how the game's going to evolve going forward. Are they going to turn into the Pro Bowl and really consider something drastic? Or is this just going to go on because most people know what's at stake and they're going to come back and watch it every year? Well, let me ask you this. How did you like this year's Pro Bowl? I thought it was more interesting. Great question for the kids. There's no game, so when you're having water balloon right. catches and long drive golf competitions with guys who've never played golf, it kind of comes stupid and entertaining. But some of the skill stuff I thought was pretty good, but they completely got rid of the game. That's the difference. I don't think right. they're going to completely get rid of the NBA All-Star game. Uh, maybe we should, because I'll, I'll tell you what. I thought the Pro Bowl was pretty innovative. I enjoyed it. I thought that was fun. I saw them having fun and wanting to be good at these different uh, ridiculous kind of uh, challenges, skills challenges. And if that's what it is, then that's, that's fine. Because ultimately, you know, the All-Star Weekend is like the Pro Bowl. is a celebration of the greats of the game. And what we just don't want is people sleepwalking to it. So if <laughs> throwing water balloons and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. or, or for us, whatever the basketball equivalent of that would be, if that's what gets these guys motivated and engaged, my thing is that's what we want to see. We want to see them looking engaged like they care, like it's, they're actually having a good time and they care about the outcome. I mean, let me jump in and ask you about the overall festivities and what you saw around it, because a lot of times a guy like you could have access to what the players are talking about, the recruiting process. You get these legends together, like Anthony Davis with LeBron at a previous All-Star game, then he shows up and wins a championship in L.A. Is there anybody you think could have been lightly kind of talking to hook up in the future? Maybe give me an All-Star or two that you think could possibly be together, not because of this event this weekend, but you can see joining forces in the next year or two. Right, so Basketball Illuminati is my podcast, and on the latest episode, we talked about how there is a link between what happens in All-Star Weekend, particularly these drafts, and the moves that follow. And you mentioned one of the big ones, LeBron taking Anthony Davis first overall in his draft. This year, I thought it was really interesting that with his first pick, LeBron went with Anthony Edwards. 
that I mean that's just that was a re- I mean Anthony Edwards is an injury replacement all star, and that's not, I'm not saying that to say that he, he doesn't deserve to be there. He wasn't good or anything. I'm just saying you're telling me that LeBron, given the choice of pretty much everyone other than um, other than uh, 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 Damian Lillard, who, who Giannis picked first overall in the draft, out of all the all stars out there, Anthony Edwards. I mean, I, that feels very much like LeBron up to his old tricks again. Interesting. So you, and again, you got some knowledge, very good knowledge. I mean, Al Hassan joins us. That's interesting. So that, that used to happen also on a banana boat or guys going on a road trip, bringing the yeah, wives yeah. together. There is some juice to that at an all-star game, even at a city like Salt Lake, which is in New York, Atlanta, L.A., where everyone's out clubbing, having a great time before and after the game. Yeah, uh, and, you know, bless their heart. They tried Salt Lake City to provide some nightlife. Uh, you know, obviously the, the sponsors have uh, various events around the city throughout the, throughout the weekend. Um, but, you know, it's not exactly the most life-amenable city in America. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, this has been something I've discussed a lot. You know, the NBA needs to get back to, like, Booking these things in destination cities. The, I have a lot of friends who work in, in and around the NFL. They, I saw many of them last week in Phoenix for the Super Bowl, and they laugh at us. They're like, "What? You guys went Cleveland, Indiana, uh, Cleveland, Utah, Indiana, back to back to back." Meanwhile, in the same span of time, the the uh, NFL is going Los Angeles, Phoenix, Vegas. Uh, it, it's just and and to be honest with you. It goes beyond weather. It goes beyond, um, you know, like uh, partying or whatever, nightlife. Even the hotel situation. You know, Salt Lake City, there aren't a lot of hotels, and many Mm -hmm. of them are old. They're older, you know, uh, type hotels built in the 70s and 80s. And you know you don't get that in Phoenix. You don't get that in Vegas. You don't get that in New Orleans. You don't get that in Miami. You don't use the cities that can deal with the capacity of people coming in and meeting uh, room and board. Yeah, I agree with you on all this. This is great. As we wrap this up, I thought Adam Silver on record never went more out of touch when he was getting pushed pretty hard on the whole low management thing. He didn't think it was a deal, and he cited revenue and season tickets. And I don't know if you heard the sound bite, and we have it, but the point was, it just look, we know who buys those season tickets in the suites. It's corporate America. They don't have a budget. They don't have a problem buying these tickets. I'm talking about the kid or the little girl sits in the upper deck and has a problem with load management, not seeing a player on a back-to-back. How, since the last time I talked to you, how have you evolved on this year's version of load management with the television contract coming due in a couple of years here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a real concern for Adam Silver. You know, he cited season tickets. You know, he didn't cite with TV ratings. The ratings are worse. Uh, than they've been in the last five years, pretty much. We, ha- we still haven't uh, approached pre-COVID levels of TV ratings. Meanwhile, the NFL is doing fine. And we know that the future of this sport, of all sports, really, is TV consumption, whether it's through screens mm-hmm. or whether it's through traditional linear TV. So I think we have a real problem when people are consuming the game through highlights and social media clips and, and you know, tweets. 
and not in the actual way that they make money, which is through the TV deals and, and through, uh, through that sort of thing. And the other part of it is what you said. Like, I, I've heard stories about people who, you know, it's one thing to tell I went downtown and caught a Laker game or ca- caught a Bucks game or whatever. It's another thing to say, hey, I traveled hours from out of town because they don't have an NBA team in my mind. Where's the G? Where's the mm-hmm. You know, your closest market to you is either L.A. or Phoenix. You fly all the way out there, get you know, you book a flight you know, or a, a car or whatever, you get a hotel for the night, you get to the game, and you find out Kawhi Leonard's not playing. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no fixing that. There's no recourse for that. And ultimately, you know, one of the ideas I came up with kind of on the fly was maybe we need to start instituting a bonus for teams and for players that play a, a certain mm-hmm. percentage of their available games, because yep. otherwise the incentives, basketball standpoint, are always to rest my guy, are always to not let my guy play or play or play sparingly because I want to preserve him for the games that matter in April, May, and June. So clearly, we need to incentivize them to go away from just thinking about it that way. Last one for Amin El Hassan. What is the state of the NBA coming off the All Star break, twenty twenty three? Well, I mean, the good news is I think we have a great competitive landscape. It's, I don't, I can't remember a year like this where I can't tell you who's going to be in the finals. I have no idea who's coming out of the East. I have no idea what's going on. We have favorites. We have teams that we believe have a chance, sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it, the reality is the door is wide open, probably more so in the Western Conference in the East. So I really think what we're going to get in the last third of the season here is some really competitive basketball. Ironically, we're just complaining about load management and guys sitting in the West. I don't think that's going to be a, a, an option for a lot of those teams. They got to play. You know, LeBron doesn't get to sit. He's got to play in order for them to have a chance to make the playoffs. Same thing for Steph Curry and Golden State. Same thing for Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers. Uh, Luka Doncic from Dallas. These stars need to play because the difference between making the playoffs and missing the play-in is not that large. I think the Sacramento Kings are in the three seed, and they're something like seven games ahead of the Lakers, who are the 13 seed in the conference. So, in a weird way, the thing that's going to kill load management for us uh, in the second half of the season here, at least in the Western Conference, is just going to be survival of the fittest. Absolutely. I mean, always great. Your content is fantastic. Thanks for your opinions. They're always strong. Appreciate you doing this. We're going to promote NBA radios, interviews, and everything from this weekend. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you. No, no problem. Thanks a lot. All right. That's Amin El Hassan, our conversation off the All-Star break. And I think it's an important one because the NFL canceled the Pro Bowl and turned it into a flag football game with water balloon tosses and golf long drive competitions because they knew the game was over. That NBA All-Star game, Jason Tatum had 55 points, which is nice to see. I like to see that. That's nice that he had a big game, but that's not the point. The point is it was a laughing stock. It was embarrassing. Everything that happened in that game, there was no defense. There was a point in the game where guys were getting the ball at the top of the key, getting by their defender, and then there'd be three defenders that wouldn't move their feet and only slide over a foot to get in front of someone who was about to dunk. That is garbage. That is terrible. At least in hockey, you have a goalie. 
So if a goalie in a hockey game says, you know, I'm going to play my ass off tonight, the All-Star game. I'm not going to try to let any puck in. I'm going to play as hard as I can. You might have a good game. The reason why the Major League Baseball All-Star game will never have a problem is it's difficult to hit. So these players barely get bat 300. Even the All-Stars. The All-Stars don't even bat 300. So they come into an All-Star game and they find a pitcher in the second inning who's a closer. They find a pitcher in the fourth inning who's the best pitcher in baseball. The pitcher in the sixth and seventh are closers. So you're always going to have a low-scoring game. It's almost impossible to make contact. And they both want to win because Pete Rose, Willie Mays, Stan Musial, Ted Williams, they grew up at a time where they passed it down to others that you have to find a way to go out and do a great job and compete. And you have to compete in the All-Star game. The NBA doesn't care about that anymore. And what a shame that Kobe Bryant isn't alive. If Kobe Bryant was alive, this would all be fixed because Kobe wouldn't put up with it, even being retired. Kobe would have said, no way, this has got to stop. It's terrible. Hey, I went to the Vegas Golden Knight game on Saturday night and had a great time with my buddy Spike and my wife and a friend, a couple of friends. We went to the hockey game, sat in section 17 right there in the lower bowl, and all of a sudden out of the gate, all these goals are scored going crazy. Bobby, let's play 19, Marcheseau's second goal. This made it 4-2 to two against a great Tampa Bay team. We were talking about dynasties last week. Tampa Bay's won two out of the last three Stanley Cups. And they came in, and Vegas jumped all over them. I thought Marcheseau was the star of the game. Now it comes out high for a drive. Stop, rebound at the side of the goal. Marcheseau scores! Just as the penalty clock expires, Jonathan Marcheseau tucks it in at the left post. Vegas has a 4-2 lead. Two goals for Jonathan Marcheseau against his own club. Dan Duva on the goal, and that game wasn't over yet. We were all sitting there going, what is going on here? Vasilevsky is a great goaltender. They have a great goaltender for Tampa Bay, and Vegas is up 4-2. to two. Let's get to the empty net goal that put it away. This was a 4-3 game, and I thought it was going to come down right down to the wire, maybe even overtime, until the open net shot that went in. Six on five attack, puck in front. Cleared away, but not out of the zone. Wah knocks down, Hitman's fast. Wah shoots, he scores! From 160 feet away, puts the puck into an empty net to give the Knights a 5-3 lead. Dan Duva on the call. Let me tell you, whenever I get a chance to go into that building with a credential or with a ticket with friends, I have a blast. I run into more people than I know there. Everybody's in a great mood. The Vegas Golden Knights put on a show the entire game. Mark Chinook and his team that do a great job there. And I walk out of there, especially when they win, of course. I've been to some losses, but... My wife and I leave that arena after a Golden Knights win. We both had our jerseys on. I'm not jersey guy all the time, but I got the jersey. I put it on, and I loved it. When I go up into the press box, there is no jersey for the fanboys out there. Most of the time, I'm sitting in seats with friends, drinking an ice-cold Modelo, having a great time. And I had a great time. Love going to CVGK. Got a good feeling, man. They've been playing well. Let's keep it up here. Thanks to Bobby, Harry Ruiz, Mark Anderson, Joe Arrigo, Amin El Hassan for joining us. Vinny Bonsignor tomorrow. Got big shows lined up the rest of the week as the Raiders are heading out to the Combine. And we'll have great coverage the following week. Have a great day, everybody. And I'm serious. Batten down the hatches. The wind is here. Tie everything down in your backyard, please.